0: I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, What legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us on the Walk in My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women own their voice to create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but I'm more interested in her backstory and her mindset and how she got there. Today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Miracle Holloway. Miracle Holloway is a gospel-inspirational vocal artist who is best recognized for having been a contestant on Season 17 of The Voice, performing under Gwen Stefani's team, and she was eliminated in 11th place, She's also recognized for her popular songs, Hello God, It's Me, and Get Here. Her goal is to use her music as a platform to inspire others and let them know they can overcome any adversity. Most importantly, she wants them to know there is a God who loves them, and it doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, or where they've been. God has a purpose and plan for their lives. Hey, hey, hello everybody,
1: hello everyone. (laughs) I'm so glad to be on this show. Thank you for having me, sis.
0: I'm so excited for us to have this conversation and so grateful that you agreed to come on and share your story with us.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad that I'm able to come on here and share my story as well, because I'm sure there's some golden nuggets, some things that I will speak on that can help somebody else or give someone else some insight.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you have a story from everything that I've seen online and Googled and heard about. So I can't wait for the ladies that are listening to hear, you know, how you overcame those obstacles and, you know, the tools and your foundation for persevering. I first came across your Instagram page. Well, okay. So I'm going to say And now I'm like, I can't remember if it was two years ago, but I had someone share your Instagram page with me. And at the time you were a contestant on The Voice and they were just telling me that, you know, I need to have you on the podcast. I need to get connected with you and have you on the show. So it's been a while that I've been following you. And like I said, I know that your testimony is going to be powerful for the ladies that are listening. So I'm excited to just jump right in yeah
1: so a little bit about me I've been singing pretty much my my entire life my whole fa- my entire family scene and um for me for me, music has been an outlet it's just music for me has always been a, a safe place because of growing up when I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, so I always found that music was just a place that kind of it- it calmed, calmed my my spirit. It just calms me, and it just, it's just been in me ever since I was a kid. So I've been blessed to sing. I sing background for Earth, One, and Fire and toured with them and danced behind them, touring, going to Japan twice, 20 different states. I've done a lot of singing competitions, and then I made it on to The Voice. And it was so funny because with The Voice, I didn't even want to audition for The Voice. They They found me on Instagram. Oh wow.
0: Okay, wait, wait. So (laughs) before we unpack all of that, okay. So I I can't wait to, you know, get to the story of how you got on the voice and you know everything that you're doing now. So let's rewind before we get to where you are presently. Well, I guess as an icebreaker question, I love to ask the women that come on the show what they wanted to be when they were a little girl. Because I find that, you know, as kids we have these vivid imaginations and you know, these fantasies of what we want to be and who we want to be before society starts to limit us or we're hurt by things that, you know, cause us to fear going down a certain route or what have you. So I would love to know first what you wanted to be when you were a little girl.
1: Always a singer. Always a singer. (laughs) Especially when I heard Whitney Houston for the first time, I remember I was on my skate. I just came from the, um, the like one of the like the corner store to get in some candy. I had my dilators in my in my little paper bag and some other candy, and I had my headphones on. That's when we had to walk it was back then. <laughs> <laughs> and I was skating. And I heard Whitney Houston. I heard that song for the first time, uh, "Saving All My Love for You." Mm-hmm. Oh, and I dropped my I dropped my bag. I was like, <laughs> "Who is this?" That was like a, she put a stamp there was like this stamp of approval like when i heard her i was like i i definitely want to sing mm-hmm. so i grew, grew up here my grandmother sing <clears throat> and my mother thing because my grandmother she sang with a well-known group called the honey drippers so i come from a musical background and then my mom she would always walk around the house singing and wow. uh, uh she used to always sing this stephanie mills song i can't even think of the name of the song but anyway but when I would hear them, and then when I heard Whitney, it, w- it was over. It was like, that's all I want to do. I want to sing. That's all I wanted to do. And then from wow. singing in church, where I sang a solo in church, I was like seven years old. I remember, I remember that song. It was, look to Jesus. And uh, after I got through singing, people were coming up to me and saying, you're so anointed. I didn't, you know, as a kid, I didn't know what that meant.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: but some people had tears in their eyes. And I was like, wow. The, you know, touching people with my voice. And I just knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to sing. That's all I ever wanted to do was sing.
0: <laughs> wow. And um, we are so grateful that that is what you wanted to do. That was what you decided to do because your voice is like butter. It is so smooth. <laughs> like, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, you've always wanted to sing from your little girl. So it's. I would love to know, like, what were you like as a teenager
1: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> a kid, teenager, even though I sang, I was always so ru- I was such a tomboy. Mm-hmm. And then we get back just when I was a kid. Like kids so we're gonna have to go back in order to get to the to the teenager. 'Cause I even though I sang I always played sports. So I always thought I was about to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sidebar, I always thought I was going to be in the WNBA. Like, I love basketball. From when I was a kid, I was always, I was very good in sports. Basketball, I was um, All-City, I was MVP. Like, all growing up, like, basketball was my thing. Like, you could not be in (laughs) basketball. Wow. Sports and stuff like that. Sports. So singing, yes was always what I wanted to do, but I played sports. So, you know, my sister Star. so yeah. she'll give the credit of me with her sports. Cause that's what I always, that was sports was another thing for me. But, um, as growing, I was such like a, going back. So why I brought that up? Cause I was such a tomboy. I didn't hang well with the girls, but I always hung with the guys. It was mm-hmm. just like, I wasn't girly enough. So I couldn't be with, the, you know, the girly girls. So I was just always talking with the, the boys. I was such a tomboy. Used to wear baggy clothes because I didn't want anyone looking at me. <laughs> <looking at. laughs> so cross colors I was always rocking the cross colors because they were the big baggy pants and stuff like that.
0: I love that. So, you know, I, I love that you got into music, but I love you know, the, the tomboy side of, of things. Like I've always been a huge tomboy. So I Totally relate to what you're saying about, you know, hanging with the boys and not being girly enough to hang with the girls. Um,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and you mentioned your sister, Lestar. I had her on episode 59, um, sharing yes. her story. And, yes. you know, you both are so blessed. And I know that, you know, sometimes when we come into this world, our beginnings may not be so great, but it doesn't determine what our future can be and and what what it will be because you both have such amazing gifts in your own areas of expertise just definitely wanted to point that out
1: thank you so, so i'll just be candid i haven't shared this so so with my mom with me while she was pregnant like my mom she used substances she used mm-hmm. like everything and uh so you know, what was popular in the eighties and things like that. Even though I was born in the seventies, my mom, she was messing with a a lot of stuff. So through her pregnancy with me, you know, I had all that in my system. So Mm -hmm. I'm even, I'm so I've gone through therapy. I did therapy once for quite a while, but I'm even back in it now just to deal with a lot of traumatic stuff that happened as a kid and, and teenager Mm -hmm. that, I just didn't even deal with that as, as a kid, so it caught up to me how a person who is who who wasn't born into that stuff or they kind of had a normal life they don't have to work as hard as like there are some things that I just have to work a little harder at because like I go through depression um I've got a lot a lot better, a lot better, but there are times like where it's just I go through depression and i and I don't even want to be depressed and I chose not to take anything for it Mm -hmm. i try to deal with it and a lot of it has to do even with the diet and things like that what i'm putting in my my body but it was just hard growing up like i was one of the kids like even though i I could be sweet and you see me smiling i was that kid a kid behind my smile but i was always fighting you know what i mean i don't even know why i was fighting I'm, i'm sure now as i've gotten older because i grew up you know with that my mom uh, my grandmother always arguing they weren't physically abusive to each other or anything like that but mm-hmm. my grandmother said a lot of things of how she was with my with my mom with some of the things because she was upset with her with things from my mom's childhood and stuff like that
0: mm-hmm. but
1: uh, my dad was very abusive uh he was a drug dealer and a pimp and my mom was 17 and my dad was 30 something so wow. we we'll figure so it was just, you know, having to deal with a lot of stuff. I know you asked about my teenage life, but this leads into it. So
0: oh, we understand. Go ahead.
1: As a kid, like five years old, I remember before I went to bed, my mom was there, woke up the next morning, she was gone. You know, so she had I me mean, when she was 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. She was only 22, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, but she left. I know that she she had left and that was it just that your mom was gone. So I'm forming my own thoughts, like you left me, you know, you don't love me. Yeah, issues. yeah. But it was because of my, you know, my dad, he was very abusive. And so then my dad had me for a few months and was taking care of me and everything. And then next thing I know, Hey, you're going to you live with your grandparents. I can't raise you anymore. You know what I mean? So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was really traumatic, a lot of traumatic stuff. So having to go live with them, even though my grandparents were great, my grandmother, I, I didn't know anything about God, church, or anything until I went to uh, live with my grandparents. But at that young age, there was a lot of, you know, that abandonment. You mm-hmm. know, my mom, now my dad, okay, you don't want me, that rejection, you know what I mean? So yeah. there a lot of that I was dealing with. And though my grandparents, my grandfather, he was more of a very chill, Just fun person. My grandmother, I loved her. She was sweet, but she was more strict. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I know it's the best for me and everything. And she didn't even have to raise me. You know, I could have been born just in a foster foster home and things like that. So fast forward, my grandparents. You know, they raised me off and on. I would be with my mom on the weekends and stuff like that. But I just grew up with my mom going to visit my mom in rehab and things like that. Just you know. Her not showing up to my her or my dad not showing up to my events and stuff that I had at school and stuff like that and then I would see less and less of my dad and I was closer to my dad because he was more like loving mm-hmm. my mom very irritable irritated you know but then again drugs the
0: addiction right
1: yeah mm-hmm. and I. Always was looking for my mom's love. I just remember her never. She never picked me up. She didn't hug me as a kid. I don't remember her picking me up. So like the back of my head is just it's a little flat. <laughs> you don't know, have like a little curvature. And mm-hmm. I always tell my mom, I said, you know why my head is flat in the back? and you didn't pick me up like the crib. <laughs> <laughs> you just let let me just lay there. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, being like off and on when I was with her, like she would leave me at home. By myself, I remember just crying and stuff like that. And I, my mom said, she remembers a time where I would tell people like, my mom has baby powder, but it was, you know, cocaine. Mm-hmm. So in my, as a kid, I didn't know if that's what it was. But I just said, my mom has baby powder because it would be laid out. And just with not being protected, this would be my first time sharing this. And there was a young girl. I was like seven. I went to a Christian school. But there was this girl in school won't say her name but uh she used to touch me down mm-hmm. there. It was nothing like like any feeling that I got like oh like oh wow this is amazing or anything. It was just I never did anything. Like mm-hmm. she was and I just when I think back I'm like I allowed her to do that. And I know kids are curious and stuff like that, but she would do that all the time. Mm-hmm. and I didn't do anything and it just it I was just like, I didn't do anything. I I didn't speak up for myself. And then my uh, auntie's boyfriend, he wasn't our uncle, but of course, you know, we called him uncle, but he would, he would, he would touch me and I didn't do anything, but he would touch me and he would like, it was a game and he would be touch me and he would laugh. And it was, it was so confusing as a kid. Mm-hmm. It was just, just, even though it was just, you know, how you just know something is not right. It just mm-hmm. doesn't feel right. But he was laughing, like, 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 <laughs> You know, I wish you could see my face, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's it's like, it just threw me off, but you're touching me in a place that you shouldn't be touching a kid.
0: Right. I'm so sorry you had to have any of those traumatic experiences. And I can't imagine what you had to endure growing up as a child from your younger years to even your teenage years, you know, dealing with all of those childhood traumas and, you know, having. A mother with drug addiction and a father who's abusive and dealing with emotional neglect and rejection issues and, and the whole nine yards. And I think right. that it's a beautiful thing that you're going to therapy for that now, because I think adults, especially adults in the black community, we need to acknowledge the trauma and the childhood wounds that we carry around so that we can be better adults. There's a lot of things that we haven't healed and it affects our relationships. It affects the opportunities that we go after. It affects our inner self-image. You know, when you were speaking about being touched as a child and not doing anything about it, it's like, you know, learning to give yourself grace because one, you didn't know any better. Right. Two, when you're raised in like toxic environments and, you know, you had so many different levels of it because our primary caregivers and our guardians, like we expect them to be the ones to love and nurture us. So when we're not getting that, our view of love becomes skewed and our view of what's okay becomes skewed. So it's not your fault for any of those things happening. I think it's a from, from the outside looking in, from someone who has just heard bits of your story and your sister's story of your upbringing, I think the fact that you both have such a strong foundation in God the fact that you both have a strong belief and strong faith at this point in your life, after everything that you've endured and been through, like, I know I, I can't even, how do I say this? Like, it may not be any consolation prize, but the amount of inspiration just from hearing your story, sometimes I'm, I'm sure it may not feel that way, but to hear the strength of what you've endured and who you show up to be in the world today, you know, because some other people may have either given up or allowed that path to take them, you know, down a completely different route. But I think it's beautiful and inspiring and just a true testimony of strength and resilience for, you know, who you are today.
1: Yeah. And I, and I appreciate that. And it's just like, and just within in high school, then with with that happening, and then in high school, so just now, mind you now, I'm singing, I'm still playing sports and stuff like that, and by the time I got to 11th grade, I was playing sports, but I kind of started letting it go and focused more on just, it was just music, mm-hmm. doing my music and everything like that. But in high school, I ended up getting raped and... Even though, I like, I love my grandparents, I just couldn't really talk to them. Well, I felt I couldn't talk to them like that. Even though my grandmother said, you can talk to me about anything. It was just, you say that, but it was just the, when I did tell you certain stuff, it didn't roll over. It didn't, you know, it didn't come out like the way I liked the the outcome of it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like that safe, that super safe place for me. So anyway, I ended up telling my basketball coach and I ended up going down to the police station and all this stuff like that. And then my grandmother, she came down there. Her first response, it was more of, it wasn't like, hey baby, I- I'm so sorry. To t- are you, are you okay? Da 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 da. Why didn't you tell me? You tell your basketball coach. That was the first thing that came out of her mouth. It was mm-hmm. because I first telling her. It was more of like, mm-hmm. so that was a shutdown right there. But then I'm.
0: I think of the the older generation, because of so, here's the way I I view it, especially in the Black community. Like our our grandparents are so very close to the slave generation, yeah. so they're basically functioning through their own trauma, and right. they weren't taught to provide the emotional care. Or, you know, the trauma-informed care (laughs) that the next generation may need. So their responses to things, even if they had good intention, may not come across that way.
1: And that's what happened with my my mom. Because it it happened to my mom as a kid. She got molested. um, And she shares a story. So she didn't didn't mind if I, I shared this. But that's what happened. And when my mom had came forward to my grandmother and told her what happened, who it was, her response was, "Oh, he wouldn't do that." Mm-hmm. So there, my mom shut down, and she didn't talk about anything, and it just made her it it, it messed her up. Mm-hmm. So that's why he acted out and lashed out and different things like that, and you know, and things happen to her when like it was it's it's almost like a crazy. It's like a repeat of the things that have happened to her that yeah. end up happening to me and everything and generational trauma. Yeah, and so why it had been so tough for me? Because you know I have my sister, you know Star, and then I have another sister, our baby sister. Like i even though I'm the big sister, and I have an older brother. We all when we all have different dads. When we didn't live together, my brother he didn't live with us, so I didn't have a big sister to go to. You know what I mean? So it was like yeah. I'm the big sister slash mama, like Star. She, I raised her till she was two years old. Her first word was because uh, my birth name was Toyana, and I got it legally changed to Miracle because it was a name given to me by a prophet. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, she would go everywhere with me. I would take her to basketball practice, take her to the track. Like I, when she came home from the hospital, like I held her. I would not let, like I wouldn't let her go. <laughs> like she was my child, and because uh, mom wow. had used substances with her. You know, and thank God she had the twin,
0: Robert, mm-hmm. you
1: know, with twin. so the twin got all of the, practically all of the substances, you know, which caused the twin not to survive. But while well, I'm even bringing that up, it was like growing up, like I'm trying to be a mama to my mama. Yeah. And my mama to my sister, and I'm not putting the mask on myself. It's like I go to put it on, but then somebody, they're hurting. Boom. Take it off. Put it on them. So it was like I didn't give myself time enough to work on me. So all that stuff built up. And even though I had my music with my outlet, that can only hold you for so long. You know what yeah. I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: And so even in high school, after I graduated from high school, so I ended up getting a horrible, abusive relationship. Like, they were nice guys. Like, I couldn't really go out on dates no way because couldn't go to the movies. I didn't get to go to my prom. Wow. Yeah. I know, I know. I wow. So, so, anyway, so, yeah, I ended up getting an abusive relationship right as I graduated from high school. This guy who had been trying to talk to me since I was in 10th grade, he was the drummer, excuse me, I think, no, ninth grade, he played the drums for our youth choir at the church. Now, he wasn't no church boy, he was like one of them, you know, boys, but he was going to church, he, you know, was Bears to play the drums. So anyway, he'd been trying to get with me since the ninth or tenth grade. And I didn't talk to him. I graduated from high school and ended up talking to him on 4th of July. That's when I (laughs) came to him. But um, I know for a fact if I really just loved myself and would have understood I'm dealing with abandonment issues, rejection, the need for love. Because of the love that I felt like I was missing. Besides, mm-hmm. you know, my grandma, but it's different when it's your parents. Yeah. Because i moving kind of quick. So I got to see less and less of my dad going back to my childhood. And he passed. He died when I was 12. He died of cancer. Oh, wow. So, So I didn't have that healthy male figure. My grandfather, he was cool and real chill, very chill. My grandmother, she kind of ran everything. Not that he was a pushover. He just was just real chill. I never heard him raise his voice, but I never heard him really just, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I really, really needed to see. And so I didn't see the balance. So it was like either you're too chill and then or you like my dad? Smooth, mm-hmm. charming, little suave, you know, that mm-hmm. pimp type of, you know, thinking homeboy from Empire. That's my dad. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Cookie line president. Oh, that's for sure. That is okay. my dad.
0: Lucius dad, okay.
1: dad to a T. That is him. Wow. Um, and now mind you, her last name is Holloway in the movie. i <laughs> <you remember? laughs> last name. But you know, I didn't know anything about drugs or anything and he introduced me to a lot of stuff. Uh first time ever even smoking weed he laced it with something i didn't even know anything was in it wow yeah so just a lot of stuff like i didn't know nothing about nothing i mean i had been intimate before him but i never really like really went in intimately sexually so Mm -hmm. he was really first so first everything yeah and then i never really shared this publicly with anybody but you know the artist leela james yes so she and I, we were best friends all through high school. We used to sing together. One of these days, I was really good to share the entire story. But uh, I'm so happy for where she is and stuff like that. But she and I, we need to have a deep conversation. We do. Even though it was back in high school, we used to sing at all the, uh, the college, colleges like Cal State, Long Beach, and sing at all their we, we would always get the pep rallies. We were really popular in high school. We called one and one melody. So we had stopped singing with each other after like in high school. I just want to be able to for us to one day to be able to sit down and talk about some things. And mm-hmm. uh, which I know she's an amazing person. I know she's for the for the rights and stuff like that. But that was like a best friend of mine, like all through high school and. Mm-hmm. And during that traumatic time when I when I told you what happened to me in high school when I got raped, like you know those are when you, you need your your friends and stuff like that. Yeah. And that so just when things happen, so there's a lot of different things for me when it just growing up with the women in my life that had had also built up a wall for me because of the women with my my grandmother and my mother seeing that type of relationship with them never getting never being able to get along the betrayal or manipulation from starting with with the young age it, it it played a big a big part in my life so like i would go stay with my mom and then i would come back to my grand grand grandparents you know come back home my grandmother would be like she would say to me so what did your mom say What what is she saying and i'm like, huh. So it was like, basically, I'm going to, like, I feel like a spy. So, like, mm-hmm. what did she say about me? What is this and this and that? And when I didn't want to say anything, her, her she would say to me, I'm your grandmother. You could tell me anything. Like, that's a form of manipulation. You know, now mm-hmm. that I'm older, I understand it. And then when I would end up telling her, I'm a kid. So when I end up telling her, because she would say, I'm not going to say anything. And so I would tell her, but then, yet yeah, she would go back and tell my mom, and now my mom is mad at me. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of, a lot of
0: different stuff so you experienced a lot of trauma a lot of trauma as a child a lot of trauma in your teenage years um you know even as you matured and started dating entering into abusive relationships how do you how do i say this because i know like a lot of musical artists use their music as a form of therapy a form of healing and and coping do you feel like your music has helped save you in any type of way
1: it has it definitely has
0: okay so share with us your I guess your musical journey on how you know you you mentioned you touched on in the beginning that the voice actually reached out to you through Instagram I guess share your musical journey you know and how your music career gave you a second chance
1: so first of all I met Earthling Fire I was like how old was I 19 no no, no nineteen twenty around there, around there. I was working at a, a soul food restaurant, and Philip Bailey's mother, when in fire, he used to come in there all the time. And so one of the hosts there uh, was saying, walked up to Philip Bailey and was like, you ought to hear this girl sing.'" And so I sang for him, and when I when I sang for him, he immediately wanted to work with me. So I got to tour with him and everything, and sing and sing with. Uh, earth, wind and fire. And a lot of people don't know this part because they didn't share this part on the, on the voice. But, uh, so I know he wants the best for me and he Mm -hmm. wanted me to look my best. And I was even a little smaller than what I am even now. But, you know, back then they're so focused on the weight and everything on how you look and stuff like that. So, he didn't know I was suffering with, with certain things. So when we would go on tour and I would have this image problem as far as how I looked, as far as my, my body image. I thought I looked mm-hmm. back. But it started all the way back to when I was even just younger. This, these music producers that I was working with, they were only about my weight, you know, about wanting to get down. And even though I played sports, you know, I still was thick. Thick. But anyway, so when Earth, Wind and & Fire and everything, so working with Phila you know, he was telling me you know, about my weight and everything. But like I said, he wasn't saying it to put me down. He just wanted me to look my best. And I know that for a fact. So mm-hmm. I say that he wasn't like trying to bash me or anything like that. But even though his daughter sometimes would say, dad, you know, like, you know, kind of just, you know, lay back a little bit. So being on the road and stuff and with the dancers, I was sitting and singing and then dancing with the dancers. Who that's just what they did. They just dance. You know, they're small and petite, and I'm thicker. I remember when one lady was talking to Philip, and he and I heard her say that the the big girl in the middle. Oh wow! But for when she said that, you know, but I was bigger than the 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 other ladies, but I wasn't big. But when I heard that big, it was humongous to me. Mm-hmm. So. I, he didn't disorder when I was on the road, and he's and I still haven't had a chance to talk to him to tell him this. So I stopped being able to go on the road because I would be sh- I would show up late to uh, rehearsal and sound check and stuff like that. What was happening was is that everything that I put on, I thought I looked humongous, big, and um, and this part I haven't had a chance to really share like this, but I thought I publicly. So I would take that off and then try to put something else on. I thought I looked so big. And then by the time I find something I feel comfortable in, I was uh, I would come to rehearsal, but I was being late. Mm-hmm. and Or I was making myself, you know, throw up. Because like if I ate something bad, I would punish myself and would say, okay, you want to eat that? And I would just force all kind of just sweet cake wow and then make myself go up after I would do that to myself and nobody knew what was going on and stuff like that and and even though I would uh have did substances and things like that I, I never did anything like that while I was on the road
0: mm-hmm.
1: ever did mess with I guess it was always, if I did anything, it was when I wasn't on the road. Like, if we went out to, like, a club and stuff like that, I would drink and stuff like that. And then sometimes I did have a little too much to drink. But as far as doing drugs and stuff like that, number one, I'm representing Earth, you know, Earth, One mm-hmm. & and Fire. And whoever I'm representing, I would never just, I would never want to do that or allow anyone to look, you know, bad or mess up or anything.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I was,
1: like I said, it was because of how I, was body shaming my own self and everything so it was tough and then so he had to sit me down one day and he was like uh so you're not going to be able to be on the road anymore i'm still going to work with you because i was signed to him as well and so i couldn't be on the road with them anymore and during that time i was married Uh, that was another marriage of marriage i was in but anyway wasn't going to be on the road anymore but since he was on me about my weight i was having problems in my in my marriage and stuff like that so I started messing with stuff to get me to help me to lose weight quick. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't on the road with them and we had photo shoot coming up, he gave me creative control over my project. He really believed in me. Mm-hmm. He believed in with a artist as an artist uh like in the way that he worked with me since the artist named Diane Reed uh, so anyway, so I started doing substances and it got out of control, like out of control. But nobody even noticed, except for my grandmother when she was alive. She was like, I don't know what you're doing, but you're looking haggard. But wow. everybody else, oh my God, you're looking, this would make it so bad. Because then Philip he would see me, everybody noticed I'm losing weight. Oh my God, you're looking great. Like, mm-hmm. y'all don't even even see, like. Do y'all even see into the the, the windows of my soul, which are my eyes? You know,
0: mm-hmm. now
1: oh, everybody gets so small. So of course, I'm feeling more crappy. Cause then, well, I lie. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, girl, I, or boy, I the acting. You mm-hmm. <laughs> see, <laughs> society, <laughs> society is so caught no up. You, you you acting, you and you acting, you acting a fool and lying. No, mm-hmm. I ain't no acting. So that's when the Atkins was popular back there, you know. But anyway, they had gotten so bad and everything. I mean, so so bad. And so I had to put myself in a program and wow. put myself in a program, and you couldn't call anybody or anything like that. It still has taken me some time to even get over it. All these years later, it's just like you I want to be able to processing,
0: happen. right? You yeah, experience so much grief, and nothing happens overnight. You're processing, not only are you looking back and reflecting and becoming aware of why you did certain things and you know, why certain things happened, but it's a process. You know, you you're you have to go through this grieving of the old self and this acceptance of your past and who you are. It's a process. And I feel like no matter who you are, how much trauma you've endured, the healing process, it's there's, I feel like there's never going to be this point where you reach, you're like, okay, I'm healed. <laughs> it's, it's right. a process. It's a daily process.
1: Yeah, it's definitely is a daily process. And I just really appreciate Philip because he, like I said, he, this man believed in me. He didn't have to take his hard earned money. He didn't have to introduce me and take me on the road. He didn't have to do any of those things. And when I did do that, I couldn't talk to anybody or anything and i asked my mom i said "Has philip called because i was able to to when i was finally able to call i was like did philip have he called she was like oh no but he had been calling like basically i just disappeared i didn't tell him that i'm with the program so i messed up that opportunity and but if i didn't get the help i would have i could have been god forbid my story like whitney houston you know what i mean mm-hmm I messed up that. And when I finally did talk to Philip Bailey a month later, and he was just like, just get, get yourself together. and But he wasn't working with me anymore. So I messed that relationship up. You know, and I had a project, that an album, and everything that I did. Bob Bolson wrote everything on the project. He had live musicians come in and play over my stuff. And you're talking about you ever did something in your life and you just regret so bad. And it just, that's one of the things like Mm -hmm. that's one thing, like legendary earth Wind, and fire yo like what Mm -hmm. and been telling god this for years i was like god please i want to be in the position where i don't know how much money he spent but i want to be able to just say here come back with a check even though he wouldn't even want it i know he wouldn't but still give it to your grandkids i want to be able to pay the money that he invested he took his personal money that he did not have to because he believed in me and he started telling me you know you could sing but you don't know that you're beautiful like i didn't think i was beautiful
0: mm. i
1: thought me as a kid like i just thought i look like a boy because people tell me i look like a boy He'd call me he man she real because i was very athletic and strong <laughs> wow be cruel but anyway so the second chance with the boys I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was going to Bible college out there. And uh, they found me on Instagram, this talent agency. And I didn't even want to audition. I was like, I've been for an audition for X Factor, American Idol, all that. I never got chosen. You know, I don't want to go through the cattle call. She DM'd me and I DM'd her back and told her no. But then after I did that, still small voice said, give it one more chance. And so I Mm -hmm. hurried up and DM'd her back. And told her yes, I'll do it. And so I auditioned, and it was just that feeling of just knowing. Mm-hmm. The paper wow. that I received after I did the first audition, it didn't say I made it, but for some reason, I saw on the paper that I did. <laughs> 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 so I just I made it. They flew me to Los and fly me to Los Angeles for the executive audition.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: audition of the executives but. I, all my num so my favorite number is seven. Seven is what I kept seeing. And I, I made it and even in my hotel I was on the seventh floor room seven, seven, seven.
0: When wow. I went for
1: a sound check. I looked over on the row. I looked over on the wall, boom, number seven. I'm just like, oh, I'm on my flight, it was seven.
0: You started singing since the, the age of seven, seven in the seven. choir?
1: And, uh, <laughs> it's like everything was in aligned aligned. So I made it on there, made it to uh top eleven. That was a blessing. And I knew it was just that was my time because it was singers. I know that could sing rings around me like, Ugh, and do all that stuff. But, you know, I guess because of my story and because of my voice, you know, I had a compelling story and my voice. Because people say when I sing, it's like I don't sound like Mary J, but you could hear the pain in my yeah. voice. When I, yeah. So. so
0: the rawness of the emotion. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I I mentioned earlier that, you know, your story is inspiring, but I would love to know what inspires you the most about what you do.
1: Because I know that when I sing that it it touches people, it touches people and it does and it does something for me. And I know people that, that when there's a certain sound in my voice that it may not be for everyone, but there's a sound in my voice that are for those specific people that my voice resonates with, because of the different things that I've been through—from the from the depression, from um, childhood molestation, from being raped, from substances, and from just from being in all those places and overcoming—it it just comes out in my 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 voice. You may not know exactly what it is but it resonates to those people who have been through so much.
0: It ministers to those who need it.
1: Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Wow. What advice would you give to a woman who is listening right now that has been through her own childhood traumas and is in need of healing, but hasn't quite taken that step to get therapy or to seek professional um, support.
1: And if they haven't taken, well, I would tell them if they haven't taken that step to take that step, it's important. And don't put it off. Cause mm-hmm. I waited, waited for a, a long time because sooner or later, it's going to catch up to you. And the older that you get, the tougher it really is. I'm just going to be candid. If the older that you get, the tougher it is with the healing process, not saying that you can't heal because you can, and going through that therapy and sitting out and talking to someone it's really it's beneficial cuz even the person that I have right now she's a neuroscientist but she's a pastor and therapist so thank God for God and mm-hmm. the church but sometimes we got to go deeper because yes. she- sometimes you can just hide behind the church you don't even really know you're doing it and hide behind the religion and just say no god just deliver me and for some people maybe that works but there's still some scientific stuff with the mental the brain that needs to to be really dealt with you know stuff that is passed down from generation i know you can pray and then and just pray, and the Holy Spirit can do a, a change and transformation. But it's still you still got to own on a re, real on the reality of it. You got to really deal with that stuff and, and pinpoint where where it stems from.
0: Absolutely, you know? so
1: it's important to sit down and, and to talk and to and it's okay to
0: I, not be okay. <laughs> I, I think it's beautiful that you you mentioned that point. You know, we've had a, a few faith-based women that have come on and talk about the importance of therapy. But I think the fact that you even just broke that down, that yes, you know, it's, it's important to have faith and belief and and pray and all those things. Um, And I think that that gets to the spiritual level of the issue. I think that we also need to do the work on the physical, mental and emotional levels. And sometimes we focus on one area and neglect the others and wonder why something isn't working and it's like right. we need to, you know, have some form of uh, balance or harmony with all the different levels. So it's important to pray. Yes. Um, but the the therapy of unpacking and getting the coping mechanisms and the tools and having someone like you said, your your therapist is also um, a neuroscience. So one of my mentors, she's also a neuroscience coach. And them understanding how the brain works and functions. (laughs) You know, all of those things that I think sometimes the church is ignorant to. Um, And I'm someone who, you know, believes in, like, I I used to be, I'm going to say for about 15 years straight, I was going to church twice a week. I was one of those. But Mm -hmm. I do feel that there are some things that are missing when it comes to understanding other layers of what needs to be done.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, you definitely, definitely cuz it just everything can't just be frayed away and I know that sounds like contradicting. I, I don't mean for it to be contradicting, but you can pray about something but also God puts things in place for us to be better. Mm-hmm. Everything is just uh, just you're know, floating on the glory cloud. Like, yep. you know what? I'm messed up like why is this happening? You know, and and even in my therapy the pastor has even shown me that sometimes we use spiritual we use religion to justify some of the stuff or yes. to band-aid and cover it up. I was like, yes. Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> she said, Excuse me. I'm like, what? But she gives down to the core of of it. Like Absolutely. Yeah, she I have her information if I can if you want me to give that information for a woman who may want that or who, who is in need of it and everything. And she doesn't, she's, like I said, she's a pastor, but she's not always bringing up God, God, this, and making it so just so religious or super spiritual, but she deals mm-hmm. with, she's down to the, to the meat of it.
0: Yeah. Listen, the Bible it, says faith without works is dead, right? So we can, yeah. believe and we can pray, but we actually need to take action with things. God gives us the tools um, that we need and the resources to take the action to have, you know, the results that we want. It's it's more than just prayer. Right. Okay. So what I wanted to touch on quickly is I remember during the pandemic, I believe at some point, I believe it was during the pandemic um, where there was a post that you put up that ended up going viral because you had donated your kidney. Um, yeah. And I would love to know if you can touch on that story quickly. Uh, give us the Coles Notes version of your generosity and, and the beautiful soul that you are.
1: <laughs> so um, so when I, uh, a mutual friend introduced me to my now husband, because uh, my husband is a designer. He makes clothes. He can redo inside of a home, a real poetry. He can make everything you have on, including your shoes. <laughs> That's just easy. So yeah, so uh so the mutual friend introduced me to him while I was on the um the voice to help me with like my fashion and everything and for like to you know put together a nice little style for me. I had met him over the phone I was in LA at the time and then he was in Chicago and he was just telling me of the stuff that he does. He didn't tell me anything in regards to his his health or anything like that. And um uh, I started off the phone with him. My eyes, my eyes watered because I just knew something I was supposed to be doing for him. And um, when he flew me to Chicago to come out there so he can do a fitting,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. that's when he told me about his kidney disease. So before, but before all of that, before he even flew me to to Chicago here, he asked me what was my why. And that was the only reason why he was going to even work with me because. He's he's big on somebody knowing what their what their why is. You know what I mean. It has to be mm-hmm. a match and a big connection to it. It can't just be oh, because I just want to look cute. Like, what's mm-hmm. your why for doing why you're doing what you're doing? So that's what even even prompted him to say, you know what, I need to 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 work with her. So anyway, so he told me about his kidney kidney, kidney uh, disease, and when he told me that, I was like, that's what I'm supposed to do for him, and. I told him that I would donate my kidney to him. He thought I was crazy. My mama thought I was crazy. We didn't wow. even know if that would be a match or anything like that. But I just knew it was something I was supposed to do for him. And so things turned from business to a personal relationship. Like we started, you know, liking each other in a in a short amount of time. And mm-hmm. so things started turning from business to, to personal. And... um and I told him, I was like, if things don't work out with us, I'm still giving you the, you know, the kidney. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like, okay, what's up with this girl? And a ma- matter of fact, like I didn't get to, ch- I've never even shared this part. Like he turned my kidney down so many times.
0: Oh, wow. He
1: had gotten down all the way down to like a 10 per- 10% with his kidney. A 10 or 8%, whatever. It was super low, very super low. And I was like, if you don't take this kidney and live. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because he had been on the, the waiting list. He hadn't got gotten the, a, a kidney. And some of his family members, like, they couldn't give him the kidney because, you know, they had certain things going on with their body and everything mm-hmm. like that. So, anyway, after I told him after I got off the show that I would do the testing and everything. So, after I got off the show, I did come I did come out here to Chicago. And I went through eight months of testing because that's, when the, that's wow. when the COVID hit. Right. That's when the COVID hit. And so... Um, went through all the testing, and everything went well and I had a clean bill of health and I was able to give him the, the kidney and we uh we had we did our marriage ceremony the day of the uh, we did it at the hospital wow, where we got the the kit where we had the surgery done wow yeah, and that
0: that was I believe that was when I saw the post on social and then it went viral on all these other uh platforms yeah, then, the the kid- room <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, somebody must have reached out to the Shave Room because next thing I know, they they DM'd me and said, hey, we want to post your video on our page. I'm like, okay, get as long as you guys. Make sure you just share who, who it is. Mm-hmm. You know, give the credit. Because, you know, I've had people post stuff and I didn't even know that a video of mine was posted mm-hmm. <laughs> until somebody told me they saw me on a page. So, yeah, the Shave Room, they posted it. And, and the thing is, it was so many negative, more negative comments than positive. Because if it's a, a woman giving a kidney versus if it was a guy doing it for a woman, it would be like, "Oh, that's so cute." But then,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, with the woman doing, they're like, "Oh, boyfriend, please, please, he wouldn't, get, he wouldn't even get my lunch." What? You know, it was just stuff. <laughs> it was the most negative stuff. Girls, he he gonna he going Tracy Morgan you, Oh, wow. George Lopez you, and if he if he does that right. Like we'll reap on a kidney. You know, you.
0: you know what's interesting. Like long before the pandemic, I had a conversation with your sister about the shade room and that platform. Yes. and yeah, you know, the the people that follow that page and the things that they're looking for—the gossip and the negativity and the low vibration Aye. things. So you know, sharing good news on that page isn't necessarily something you know to be excited about because those followers that's not what they're looking for. So they have a negative uh, mindset so they're not going to receive that good news from a good place.
1: Right. Right. But the thing is, they were hoping, they were like, oh, he's going to leave her. Even when you see the video, look at when she seeing this one part. Watch his face. Like, look at his face. Like, yeah, he got to work like, like, I'm out. <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah. And then I said, yeah, a song that I wrote called Unbreakable Love, I sang that to him and at the hospital, he he asked me to sing that song. He was like, baby, can you sing to me before I leave? Mm-hmm. So I sang to him. And um, the nurse, she videoed it. You know, it was just for, for memories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just It turned out like that. And then just people thought that, you know, we were going to not be together. And, of course, you know, relationships they have there, it can be shaky in the beginning. Because if you two people mm-hmm. coming together, you're two different personalities, two different things, two two. Two different people that like different things, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we like Mm -hmm. some of the same things. It's just, it's a challenge in the beginning, but we've made it through, you know?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. People were expecting us to not be together. They were were expecting us to fail.
0: Well, that's Uh, just a beautiful testimony right there because right now, you know, you you guys are married and you're out in Chicago. It's a beautiful thing.
1: Yes. So
0: before we go to the the final segment of the show, can you tell people where they can stay connected with you online and to learn more about you and hear your music?
1: You can follow me on YouTube, TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Everything is all my handles are the same. It's my first and last name, Miracle, M like Mary, Y like yellow, R-A-C-L-E and then H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y. It's my first and last name, and you'll find me on any of the social media uh, outlets. And
0: get um, awesome.
1: my music. These are my funny TikTok videos because I'm a comedian. I love to be funny. <laughs> and uh, there will be some more upcoming shows with the group Jade because I'm still doing some things with them that I'm finishing up. So, and then I'm working on my own my my EP. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank awesome. You. Thank you for
1: I having will, me on here.
0: I am grateful that you, you know, came on and shared your story with us and I will definitely have all the links to your socials in the detailed section of the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly. They won't have to search too far. I um okay. The, the, the final segment of the show before we wrap up, it's called A Walk in Her Wisdom, and it's like a rapid fire. I just ask you, um, you know, a couple of quick questions and you can answer in like one word or one sentence, whatever comes to mind. OK. OK. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why?
1: It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been or what you've done. God still has a purpose and plan for your life. Amen. And I What's would have something that because so many people feel like sometimes it's too late, mm. because of their past, because of the things that they've done, mm-hmm. and I say that because I can relate to that, you know it's, oh, I'm too old i'm uh, you know my time is up, no guy sit there, he still has a plan and purpose. Oh, I've messed up too bad, no, he still has a plan, he can take everything that we've done good and bad,
0: mhm and use it. Amen. What's something that other people value, but you don't? Like some people may be into, you know, name brand things, but you're not interested in it. Or some people may be into, I don't know.
1: Yeah, they definitely name brand clones. I know that name brand, some it's it it can speak of a certain status, mm-hmm. but my husband is a designer, so right. Pastor, Pastor Trump is uh, what he makes. Because in being with him, like, I, I understand quality and texture and the weight of clothes and just the the, the quality of, of, of material. I look mm-hmm. at it totally different. Some people, they just look at the name brand. They're not really paying attention to the, the quality of it because there's a lot of name brand stuff and the quality of it is not... Mm-hmm. not what it is at all.
0: I agree. So I agree.
1: It, yeah, I you just put, you're paying for a name. Yes. It's a lot of people coming from one place, from either overseas in China, and it's all coming from the same place and they just slapping the name on there. Mm-hmm. So uh, some people buy, value money more. I mean, money does help to make a difference. Don't get me wrong, but I don't value it in such a way that it's my life. Mm-hmm. having a peace of mind and having people who love me mm-hmm. and that value me over what I have is more important than anything. Mm-hmm. So,
0: I love that. What's the worst advice you've ever received?
1: Because it wasn't broken down to me in the a, in a way that I needed it. And it has affected me. I've allowed it to affect me through so many years. You can't straddle the fence when it comes to church. You're straddling the fence. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I would be so much in my head just if I even sang an R&B song. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. the church religion, religious people Mm -hmm. have put their isms and their things on they projected their stuff on people. Or I would just say on on me. Like you can't sing this and you can't sing. But some people know they shouldn't sing. But R and B music is not to sing love songs. Is not a sin. Not going to hell. It's not that is straddling the fence. It's where where are you called. You know. Yeah. And it's it, it's what you're doing. So that used to it used to mess me up so much because I would feel so guilty. The condemnation. And mm-hmm. stuff like that, and even and even even now, like I know that my voice is for healing, breaking chains, and to bring hope. And I'm still working through that now because I uh, was singing music. God can be in a love song. He can definitely be in in a love song. So a story that was given to me, matter of fact, by one of the members from the group Jade Joy. She with song. This song don't walk away, boy. That song? Uh, yep, I know that one. <laughs> yeah, so She had a lady, she just told me this story and it really brought tears to my eyes. She had this lady come up to her. This was a while back. Not because, oh, you're one of the members of the group J, but it was about the song Don't Walk Away. Now that song is a love song. Don't walk away. Boy. She said that song was playing and it came on that part, Don't Walk Away. And it caused her to go back and get her child out of the crib. She listened and said, "Don't walk away." It made her go back and get her baby out of the crib. As soon as she had gotten her baby out of the crib and had walked away, gunshots. Wow. Went off and shot up. They were shooting, and gunshots came into her home and into the crib. If she would have got her baby out of the bed, her that baby, her her child would have been dead. Wow. So yeah. we put God in this small little box. Mm-hmm. And, um yeah. So that's some things that I'm, I'm, I'm even still, you know, working through because it's that, that mental mind. I don't want to say if it's a mental game because, you know, they really, you know, the people in the church, they really believe that, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. But mm-hmm. everybody's not called to that because the people in the church, you, you know, you put on some, some, some R&B music. And mm-hmm. love music and songs, you know. Well, yeah,
0: you know, you and I can <laughs> have a whole long conversation about this because I truly believe the same thing. Because you know, I I spent maybe 13 well, thirteen, fourteen years going to the same church, and when I started my spiritual journey, when I started building my relationship with God, in the beginning, I felt very boxed in by beliefs of the church and. I had a hard time for a while separating from those beliefs and the projections of the church on my life because I felt that I was called to help the people that don't feel accepted within the church, the people who don't feel comfortable walking into the church, but allow them to see the love of God, not only in my life, but how I serve others. And it took a long time for me to accept that that that's okay everyone has their place everyone has their calling everyone has their ministry
1: right and everybody's not called to preach to be yeah. uh, you know to, i think that everyone can minister and it can be through the your work of service that you do that that's ministry you know on on how you exactly. do the, use the gifts that he's giving you on this earth because i what's important what's important to me is when I do believe that there is a a, a heaven. I'm still, if, I, if <laughs> so, there we can go deep regarding mm-hmm. hell
0: mm-hmm. and things
1: like that, hell. And if it, if it is, I don't even want to focus on that part of it. I just want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get so get focused on the brimstone and is it is it even a hell? I I, I want to focus on the beauty of I'm going to heaven, uh, so mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about worry about that. So if I'm doing mm-hmm the things that i need to do to live a, a a righteous life and that at the end of the day i know that god is smiling at me then i i'm mm-hmm. i'm i'm good i'm good yes. yeah it's just it's yeah it's a lot when it comes to <laughs> to, the, to the church it is like man yeah, yeah
0: we we could have a whole it's episode a on that another day i get it
1: <laughs> yeah it's a lot and it can and if you and it, and, it, and if you get so focused on to it in certain way it can literally drive you crazy Mm -hmm. If you allow it, like for real, it can just really drive you a certain, am I doing this right? Am I doing, I can't do it. Like, it's just, it's almost like, it's like a a prison within itself. Mm -hmm. There should be freedom. And I think we put God, I truly believe we put God in this small box because we want it to fit the way that we want. And then there's a form of control that is tied to that. So again, people are putting their stuff on others. Yeah, and even pastors, even when they preach, mm-hmm. they preach sometimes from from their own trauma.
0: Absolutely, I hear it all the time,
1: <laughs> and they project it onto the members, the congregation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and I'm like, some of the stuff that I think that we worry so much about, I'm like, is God even worrying? Is He even like <laughs> yep. tripping? Is He even taking time to even think about that? Mm-hmm. Like, I know He cares about everything. Everything that we do, but some of the stuff I think, I'm like, that's
0: just us. Mm-hmm.
1: That's
0: us. Yeah. Yeah. We could have a whole other episode on that, but we'll save that for another day.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the
0: yeah. the the last and final question. Describe yourself in one word.
1: I love books. <laughs> <laughs> i am a love bug even though i have to, uh, we all have another side of us and pushed or whatever but overall i am just a little bug mm. i love that <laughs>
0: wow thank you it's, so much miracles it's, it's, yeah
1: like i guess i love people and Sometimes my husband telling you you you're too kind. I need the other side. The other side does come out, but I don't want I don't want her to come out like that. You know I don't Mm -hmm. want to resurrect her. But I guess the love bug. I try to see the best in everyone. Mm Hmm. So I feel
0: you. I feel you. Honestly, I I appreciate. You taking the time to share your story. I appreciate everything that you put out on social, and you know how you interact and and how you share and show that love. Um, just thank you so so much, Miracle, for sharing your testimony with us. You know sometimes it's not easy to talk about our traumatic past and the things that we've been through, but you know you're here today. You've survived every adversity that has come to you thus far. And I just pray that you continue to be blessed and have a overflow, an overflow and abundance of blessings for everything that you were doing. Thank you.
1: Likewise. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to find out what other things that you do outside of the podcast. Don't you? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. yeah, I do. I do coaching. I'm a certified mindset coach. So it's, it's close to, you know, the neuroscience and, and, and stuff like that. So it's, helping people to basically thrive um you know oh, wow. yes. <laughs> yeah. yes you definitely do that and
1: i'm yeah. going to definitely um i'm going to make sure i send people your way most definitely thank you
0: i appreciate that Definitely,
1: yeah
0: and let me know i know you said you're working on some stuff with jade and you want to work on a gospel yeah. album like you know when that stuff is ready to be shared you know and you know i'll share it on social media and stuff for you i help any way i okay. can
1: okay Okay, and then if you're doing, if there's something you want to do to, like I, if you ever want to do a, a podcast or talk to talk to the lady, I could also set that up.
0: Oh, I would love Definitely.
1: that. So, I would yeah. love oh, that. sure. No
0: problem. To all you Legacy Leavers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And thanks to each and every single one of you who continue to tune in each week and help the show globally rank in the top 1.5% most popular shows out of over 2.8 million podcasts. We would love if you would join the community of Legacy Leavers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at com, and you can receive a free copy of the Gratitude Journal, and you can also grab a copy of any one of my personal development books available online everywhere. I'm going to challenge you. If you can think of five women that would receive value from hearing Miracle's testimony today, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and let us know what resonated with you. You can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. You can tag Miracle Holloway, that's M Y R A C L E H O L L O W A Y, and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.